Hello everyone and welcome to welcome to the SWW Movie Club show episode 1. Now if you missed the first episode of the SWW show, we don't blame you. Uh you're just an asshole. But basically the idea of the movie club is that we are watching a new movie and then an older movie. And then kind of, you know, giving our uh, opinions on both. The first movies are Blade Runner 2049, and our new movie was White Boy Rick. I have opinions on both of those. Whew! I do, too. What the listeners can't see is my list of points to bring up for both movies that I created. And it is a solid, I think it's... Eight or nine points for each movie. Oh, Georgia, I'm. I think we should probably start with the old movie first, personally. That yeah. Okay. So probably a good idea. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Can I can I start with my uh, like thirty my like ten second issue with it? Yeah. Did anything fucking happen? Not really. Okay, I'll make sure I didn't miss anything. Continue. Um, for me, honestly, it's. It, uh, a couple of these points tie together. Like, uh, for me, the cinematic style of Blade Runner 2049 is actually really cool. Oh, yeah, no, no, I will agree. It looks, it's one, it's like Major Sicario and your love of Sicario. It looks amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's actually my, I don't know if you're reading the notes or not. But no. That was my point. Is Isn't it the same director? It, yeah. Okay. It, to me, it, a lot of Sicario are these empty shots. Now, what I, what I mean by that is there's a lot of empty space and then usually a singular character mm-hmm. or a singular object um, in said empty space. Mm-hmm. And there was so much of that in this movie, and it just works so well. It gave off this this feeling of nothing's right in this world, like everybody's struggling. It doesn't matter what level you're at. It's just such a grimy, dirty city that, you know, and there's really not a lot. Like, it may seem like the city's hustling and bustling, but then when you really look at it, there's really not that much. And, and that's valid, but my, my issue is from a storytelling point of view that to me just... It's cool for the moments, but isn't intriguing in a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Yeah, I definitely think the style is... For Sicario, which was an hour and 40 minutes, it worked really well. Because the story needed those quiet, you know, wandering bits. Because it fit. Mm -hmm. In this, it's too long to have that. But in the same breath, it also needed some of those, but not as many as it had. Right. Um, also, my my favorite point that I have on here is that Atari, the company that is selling Atari coin to crowdfund its next project, is the company that made it out of the 80s video game debacle. Right. Oh, did, Just, they, did they talk about the Atari in that? Well, there's the huge billboard, right? Oh, that, yeah, yeah, You know, Atari is, like, this mega corporation. 
Which makes sense, because when the first movie was made, Atari was very big, but now they're, you know, they're on, like, their eighth owner or something like that since the first movie. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, my, my third point was Harrison Ford, just keep getting that money. He was fine. So, so I know we give him shit, but, like, he is not my problem with this at all. I feel like, don't get me wrong, that when he talked, there were stories that just made no sense. Oh, yeah. No, it's just, he's in all these reboots, right? So he was in the Star Wars movie. He was in this. He's going to be an indie, I know. It's just, he, they're rebooting his childhood, we call it. Yeah, he's just, just getting that money, you know. He's got to he's got to afford these planes that he keeps crashing. So no, that's true. He's got to keep making these movies. Her- God, Harrison. There was, but the issue was there. Were, I feel I think it was one of the stories he was talking about when he's at the bar. He told the story. I had to stop, rewind the story, and I still don't know if I know what he said. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they didn't give Harrison a script. <laughs> he just went for it. He was trying to remember 30 years ago what the movie was about and just tried to explain the plot, I think. I, I want to say, I don't know if this is actually the case, but the AD or even Dennis himself walked up to Harrison during some of those scenes and said, Harrison, all I need you to do is explain to Ryan Gosling your character in the first movie. And he went, I was in the first movie? And he goes, I got this. <laughs> and then he started he, explaining the plot of Star Wars. He went, no, no, no. He clearly didn't get it. <laughs> the holding cue cards but, up and he's like, I don't need those. Yeah. To me, I've got, a, I've got uh, back-to-back points here um, that relate to each other. To me, in this film, Jared Leto is really good at that creepy, almost Hannibal Lecter-type, you know, um, psychological bad guy. But is he? He was good in this, compared to what was before it. Um, but but my, my point is, was there a point to him? Point to his character? No. Okay. Not, not really. Because um, his character... But he played it pretty well. He played... Okay. Let me face you. The archetype he plays really well. The character did nothing. Right. But what I'm... You know, the, the idea to me is he's really good at playing that psychological... Which is why I'm okay guy. with him as the Joker as much shit as he gets because he is good at that. Right. And my point was... He... The visual for me, he doesn't fit the Joker... But the but actor, he his, does. Yeah, as an actor, he definitely could fit into a type of Joker. Right. The problem is his type of Joker is the Heath Ledger Joker. Mm-hmm. The the psychological. He's not really, you know. Uh, he's not gonna do a lot to you physically, maybe, but psychologically, he's gonna destroy you. Which is funny, I picture... So that's the, the, the example we have of the off-the-rails Joker, where to me, I think Jared Leto should be the killing joke Joker, for being honest. Yeah, the one that's just he'll, going to the end. He'll do anything. Yeah. I think he'd be really good at that. 
The problem is the Killing Joke animated show uh, movie. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it was terrible. So I doubt that's going to be a you know a focus point. Which also, for... could you imagine trying to do that in live action? That would be so R-rated. It's not even funny. I okay. Let's let's uh, take a sidetrack here and let's uh, fantasy cast the Killing Joke. Oh, is this live action? Live action. So Jared Leto as our Joker. John Hamm as our Batman. I was gonna say, uh, what's his name? Army Hammer. Ooh. So kind of looks like Henry Cavill a little bit, but you know, so a bigger guy, getting into that older. That older feel. Mm-hmm. Batfleck would be good, but Ben Affleck is a terrible Batman. Again, my my John Hamm point, I think, is he's he's solid, I think, feel like. Yeah, he'd be pretty good for that. Who is Batgirl, though? How? Batgirl has to be in her, what, 20s at this point? That's what I was thinking. Like, early 20s, don't get me wrong. She was yeah. an oracle, like, then, but... Um... To me... Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Let me see her. Is that her name? She was, uh... She was in Kick-Ass. Oh! Actually, no, that she'd, she'd be a good example of exactly the right... She's 21. Yeah, as I was gonna say, she's my age. And our, our ages, I should say. Um, her, or, like, uh, I just saw a photo of her. The girl that plays, uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead from Deadpool. I don't know about her. Um, hold on one sec. I just saw a photo of her. I forget her name is the problem. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to... This is making for a great show. Oh, you know, this was not planned ahead. That's the issue. Brianna Hildebrand, that's her name. Interesting. She's young enough that I think she could pull it off. But, uh, so we've got them. And you need Gordon. That's really all you need at that point. I mean, I feel like the problem is Gary Oldman, to me, is... Is the perfect Gordon. And actually, if we were making this movie fairly soon, he's still in that right age range, right? He hasn't aged out. It's weird to say aged out of Gordon, but... But you totally could. He's only 60, so yeah, he's fine. Yeah. A little, uh, silver hair dye, gray hair dye. Mm-hmm. We're good to go. Anyway. Back to the point. Back to the, yeah, back to uh, Blade Runner. To me, watching the movie, I felt like Dave Batista is a true legitimate actor. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dwayne Johnson is solely a charismatic actor. Mm. Like, if you tried to put the rock in a serious role he would struggle or batista was good in that that was a he good was, way to start the movie also yeah dave clearly showed that 
he wants to become a good actor. Mm -hmm. I don't think Dwayne Johnson wants to become a good actor. I think he just wants to have fun. Fair. Which you would, too, if you're that successful. You'd be like, fuck it, I'm not doing what I don't want to do. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, to me, honestly, Ryan Gosling can probably do no wrong at this point. Which is interesting, because people forget, too, pre-La La Land, like, he was on a fucking slump. Oh, yeah, he was, well, but you have to count, Drive was in there. But no, no, but you have to account for stuff like he didn't have an agent till then, he was in India. Like, it was this level of, we all know, like, everyone knows stuff he was in, but he wasn't the success. Right. Which is people think he was. Yeah, I don't, he hasn't had a truly successful career. Which is funny, because everyone points him as one, with one. He's had three good movies. Yeah. Or three successful movies, I should say. He's had Drive, La La Land, and this. And this is the success, you, it's, it critically is, but commercially wasn't. Right. Um, and he's in that new movie with the guy from La La Land. Uh, yeah, yeah. Was it First Man? I yeah, the Moon Landing movie. Yeah. Um, so he's definitely, he's also at that perfect age, right? I think he's in his early to mid thirties. Mm. So he's got a solid 25 years left. Right. To stay in the mainstay. Um, so I have a feeling his career is going to do very well. At the very least, it'll be a long career. Cause I mean, he started, he was on uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. So he's been acting since he was, you know, a kid. So he could potentially have a 70-year film career. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other points of this movie. Uh, for me, you take um, virtual Alicia Vikander and add in Hooker Mackenzie Davis... And you get yourself one great fucking time. I don't know about you, but that would be awesome. That's true. That was the. She was in some really cool scenes. And some really disturbing scenes. Yeah. That was. That whole sex thing was a little disturbing. It was. I'm not gonna say odd, because odd is not worthy of this. Mm. This was straight up bonkers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, if this is what it's gonna be in the future, like, your VI girlfriend can morph, you know, can project themselves onto a human body. Mm-hmm. It's like, what in the hell is going on? Yeah. Although, to be fair, Mackenzie Davis is perfect on her own. She doesn't need the body of Alicia Vikander. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for me, a couple other points. Um, Blade Runner 2049, to me, looked exactly like Cyberpunk 2077 by CD Projekt Red. But add in flying cars. Right? It's going to be this... It's a modern city. It, you know, basically everything's just built up. 
and it's not pretty, right? It's very much a, it's what gets done. It's very, uh, it's very Japanese anime, actually. Yeah, super tall buildings, not really clean. Right. You know, it's not, it's not the pristine white, um, you know, white buildings that you see in, like, it's darker uh, neons. Yeah, like, uh, 70s Futurista. Yeah. Um, it's very much the... It's always dark. It's probably always raining, because there's so much shit in the air. Mm hmm And it's probably super dangerous to go outside, but you have to. Oh, yeah. And, uh, my last point for me about Blade Runner is... Dennis Villeneuve is possibly my new favorite director. I like how this is the movie that makes you say that. Well, I mean, really, his only movies before this were, like, Sicario and a couple others. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm cautiously optimistic for Dune. Oh, that is him. Yeah. I'm cautious on it. Which, okay, you know, he gets the Blade Runner sequel, reboot, whatever you want to call it. That's pretty big, but then he gets tacked on to direct probably the biggest project ever in Hollywood, mm. the Dune remake, because or the original Dune was this crazy story of super way over budget and super elaborate and all that, and he gets to remake it, mm -hmm. and his love for empty scenes empty shots work very well. That's true. Maybe it didn't work so well in the Blade Runner universe because you kind of need stuff going on. Because you're in a city, generally. Or, you know, the times that they would leave the city. Obviously, there's not a lot going on. But then, you know, when he's in the city, you need full shots. You need a bunch of people, which they had. And you just need it to feel lived in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic for Dune. Yeah. Any major points you've got that you want to hit on that we haven't already? I feel like we hit on a lot of my issue. My issue with this movie is, and this is my, my ground of the points issue is, I'm not sure anything of consequence really happened in this movie. Like, like, stuff happened, events happened, but at the end of the yeah. day, like, it feels very, like, did any of this matter? Like, it did, but you don't get the sense of it did. Yeah, that's how I felt leaving the theater when I saw it. It was very much, I just spent two and a half hours, almost three hours, watching this movie I couldn't tell you what happened in the movie immediately after leaving the theater mm -hmm. because I'm pretty sure nothing really happened. Right, and and I understand there's a point for those type of movies, but when at the same time when it feels like it's supposed to be a cataclysmic event and you walk out feeling like nothing happened, that's not a good sign. The thing that always stuck in my head about Blade Runner 2049 was the fight between Ryan Gosling and Dave Bautista. Was the best part of the movie, and it was the opening five minutes. And it was choreographed amazingly well. Again, 
I will defend that scene. That is a great scene. The movie should have been those types. Of, like, not even the need to fight, but, like, that style. Yeah. That was the emotion. Especially, especially when you've got, you know, Dennis Villeneuve on to direct. Right, you watch Sicario, and that is an hour and 40-ish minutes. It doesn't feel like it, because the emotional strain that you get from the, you know, the beginning, which is the raid on the house in Phoenix mm -hmm. to the end of the movie. You just, you're like, shit, what's going to happen? What's going to, you know, you're at times like you get involved into the movie and you're like, come on, you know, Emily Blunt's character, I forget her name. You know, you got this, you know, get through it. You can do it. Whereas this, it's just like, you know, you get that, you know, that first fight and your adrenaline's pumping and you're watching and you're like, all right, this is a great way to kick this movie off. And then you're sitting in the theater for two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. Also, so I'm curious on your opinion. The death of Robin Wright. Did it feel earned? Nothing in this movie felt earned. But, like, that was such a death, I feel like I saw it and I went... It was in the moment. In fact, you look back and you go... Did, like, I don't know if it was impactful. Well, and that's the whole point, right, that, that we've been talking about, is nothing in this film felt important. Yeah. Nothing made the story, right? Mm -hmm. There's You could literally take this film, take the first five minutes, first, what is it, like five or ten minutes, that first fight, pull that out, Set it aside because it's really good, and then cut that two and a half hours. And out. be a better movie. And you've got a really great fight scene. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah. So I think I think we're gonna say it. Is Blade Runner twenty forty nine a good movie? Story wise, no. Visually, yes. Is it worth seeing for the two and a half hours? No. I think I'm in agreement. Because the cinematic and visual impact of it, right? The the style of it and the look of it is definitely worth seeing. Mm -hmm. But you can go... I mean, that's stuff you can see in photos. Mm -hmm. There's really no crazy camera work, crazy camera scenes that you have to see. Sans the fight in the beginning, because that's some pretty cool camera work. Yeah. Um, the story is literally what makes this movie a do not recommend. Yep. If you gave me shot for shot the exact same movie, but actually put a story in it, I would totally recommend this movie. Valid. Because it looks great, you know, there's the visual style is amazing it the world feels lived in mm -hmm. right it's not like some you know just random city it feels like he definitely is in this city and it's grimy and it's just you know dirty and it, you feel it but then the story is just like oh you thought it was you know Ryan Gosling but it isn't and Harrison Ford's in this movie to make the money. Blah. And he's literally in it for 20 minutes. 
And like when you saw Dirty when you notes. started hiding the place, you knew he was there. Like, well, and they blew the reveal. Oh, that'd been such a cool reveal. if you didn't know he was in there. Yeah, if you didn't know that Harrison Ford was in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, it wouldn't make it a better movie. But it'd be a cool moment. But it would make that sequence and that act feel worthwhile. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to take a quick break. Oh, good. I was thinking the same thing. So you can listen to an ad, potentially, and then uh, we will head on and talk about our views of the new movie, White Boy Rick. So currently, after, while we were away on our break, both of our dogs, uh, respective dogs, decided to go berserk. Uh, mine are going, so if, going for a walk. That's why. Okay. Mine makes sense. Uh, there might be an Amazon delivery at my house, and that's why my dogs are going berserk. Hmm. Um. So if you hear barking dogs in the background, it's okay. Okay. We're not being swatted, as far as we know. As far as we know. And uh, if we were, I'm screwed because I'm in the uh, room in the bottom of the back corner of the house with the door closed. Mm-hmm. So you'd be dead. And I can't really see the door. I mean, I can if I lean back, but I've got a filing cabinet that blocks the view of the door. So fair enough. Um, anyway, on to our thoughts and opinions on. The new movie we saw this week, White Boy Rick. Yeah. Do you want to quick give like a a plot summary of what it is? For those that uh, haven't seen, obviously, spoiler alert. um, For the movie, we're going to probably talk about some plot points in it. Um, But for those that didn't see it or maybe can't see it, it's not, you know, I don't think it's a super wide release. It has, it's decently wide, at least by me it's still decently wide, because some of the theaters that have it don't get the usual super exclusive stuff. Right. Um, so basically what this is, it's a movie about, um, it's based on a true story, a uh, 15 to 18 year old kid in Detroit named Rick, I forget his last name, um, that basically takes over the illegal crime scene in Detroit for three years, I believe it is. And taking um, it... And his his rise. Taking it over is such a weird... Like, when I going into this, I thought it was such a bigger scale that he took it over. Yeah, I mean, I, it happened all before uh, obviously either of us were alive. Um, and for those that don't know, Mike is in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, this is a, I live in... This is about I your people. This is about your people, AJ. <laughs> this is about the other side of my state. It's about your people. Um, so, you know, Mike can probably, or at least his family can relate to it maybe a little bit more, just being in a bigger city mm-hmm. than where I am. Um, 
Because honestly, you could probably take this story and move it to any of the big Midwest cities. Yeah, you probably could. Um, for me, look, I'm just going to dive right into it, right? The accents in this movie <laughs> are all over the place. <laughs> They're amazing. Matthew McConaughey's, and, well, in the grandparents, are the closest to, like, a eastern Detroit, um, d- just Detroit in general accent. The kid playing Rick, though. Woo! What <laughs> the hell was he smoking? Are you implying... The day that they casted him. Are you implying that's not what they sound like there? That's what nobody sounds like. <laughs> I couldn't understand half the shit he said. True. Um, so, yeah, that's just... Let's get that out of the way. Matthew McConaughey and the grandparents are the best at feeling like they're from Detroit. McConaughey isn't horrible in this movie. And that's all... For the record, that's about my opinion of most of the other acting in this movie. Yeah. There's no great actor in this movie. Which is insane, because, like, McConaughey is the reason he's good for obvious reasons. Like, the grandfather is a decently well-known actor. Like, I've recognized him. Yeah, I rec- I don't know his but name, I d- but I definitely like, recognized him. And I'm like, okay, he's a pretty good actor. Yeah. And he did a good job at what he was doing. But. In the same breath, it was kind of <laughs> like, you know, okay, like, this movie wasn't that great. Oh, okay. I'm pulling up. His, I'm pulling up his IMDb. Oh, he's from Chicago. Bruce Dern. What's his name? Bruce Dern's filmography. Let's see if there's anything of importance. I'm gonna start recently, actually, just for obvious reasons. White boy Rick, obviously. Uh, Hate for eight. That's why I know him. He's the general in Hate for eight. Yeah, the southern. Yeah, girl. that's a, that was yeah. that is my big thing. I'm, I'm like, I swear, it's something recent. And he almost kind of played the same role in this. <laughs> That's true, actually. <laughs> of, like, the cranky old white dude. Um, I think that was his big thing. Yeah, yeah. My, my first two points were the accents, and then that this movie literally could have been set in any Midwest city in the 80s. Yeah, also, while we're on casting, though, because we need to go down this fucking rabbit hole, what the fuck was wrong with the sister? Oh, the, uh, crackhead? Yes! She did a, I'm not gonna say a good job of playing a crackhead. It felt painful to watch. And I mean, it definitely did. And I mean, even when she wasn't on crack, it felt painful to watch. Yeah, she wasn't great. Like, I was like, it was was almost like they told her, hey, you're gonna be a crack addict the whole time, but the first 15 minutes, you're not gonna be high on crack. But still act like it. (laughs) Go. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, a couple other points. These are, a lot of these points for me are nitpicks. Mm -hmm. Because the movie's really not that great, so there's no, like, you have to see, like, we'll get to it later. Um, but there's nothing in this movie that makes me, like, need to recommend it to someone. Um... There's a scene in the beginning where they buy uh, an AK, 
at a gun uh, a gun show in Ohio. Again, great opening now, scene. Gonna break it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was actually a really good, good opening scene. For those that see it and wonder how can they buy an AK because it's an automatic fire. It's Ohio also, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in Ohio. But um, before 87, I believe it was, you could legally purchase automatic firearms. Mm-hmm. So that's not entirely out of the ordinary. Also, uh, Rick's dad, Rick Sr., has a uh, federal firearms license, so he can buy and sell, um, I believe they're grade three, Mm -hmm. is what automatic weapons are classified as. Um, He could legally do that, no matter what. Um, But it just so happened, you know, this was before the automatic weapons ban, so you could... Theoretically, go to a gun show, buy a fully automatic Uzi, buy a fully automatic AK. You know, you could buy an MG42, mm-hmm. right? A Hitler's buzzsaw from World War II. Um, there go my dogs. And you know, sure, AKs flooded the market um, after the end of the Vietnam War, but even. I mean, they call out the fact that they're Egyptian AKs because, honestly, the AK-47 was made in so many places around the world that there's really no true Russian AK. Yeah. Like, a lot of Russian AKs were made in Ukraine or one of the stands. What's going on, boys? Um, Or... You know, Eastern Europe or some of the other Soviet-controlled uh, countries at the time. So Egyptian AKs definitely did exist. They weren't as reliable as Russian AKs. Um, but even that, they would probably would have gone for two hundred ish a piece. Mm-hmm. And you know they're like, oh well, you're trying to sell us Russians and they're Egyptians, so we want them for one hundred and fifty for two. And there's no way in hell that would have gone down that way. I was going to say. <laughs> so that's super unrealistic. Um, also, uh, Matthew McConaughey's characters, Rick's dad, Rick Sr. Rick Sr. apparently makes silencers. Which, why many questions about that? <laughs> people's silencers are not that effective. Right, Like, and, and those people would know it, the ones who bought it. Right. Well, just, I think people see, you know, silenced firearms in movies and like, oh, you know, it's so quiet. It basically just sounds like a poof of air and you can hear the shell hitting the ground. Suppressors, or what they're truly called, they bring the noise levels down to a hearing safe level. Right. And so a gunshot through a suppressor is still going to be 105-ish decibels, mm-hmm. which is loud as hell. So even though you've got a suppressor on, people are still going to hear that shit. You know, there's no there's no magic suppressor that basically kills all the sound from a gun. 
if there was, it would be three feet long, and it would, you know, the bullet would have no speed coming out of it. So, there's that. So are we are we on the nitpicky of scenes points now? Uh, yeah, we're gonna start nitpicking some of the okay. scenes. Okay. Whew, we got a good one. So when he gets shot, I understand you yeah. to make it be eventful, but it looked like he straight had his like fucking like he was about to explode level of being shot <laughs> i'm talking about wicks jr getting shot by the way yeah. like i thought he was dead like it was that level i mean it probably you would probably react that way when somebody you would you know, but the amount of blood a, a friend of yours yeah that's what i mean one when, of when okay. not the acting person i'm referring to the physical effects they put on him a person would be dead yeah, I mean, he he got shot in the gut, which is a very high survival rate. But that's not the way they portrayed it. No, the way they portrayed it was that dude was dead on the ground. And who who showed up? Who called them? How did they get, like, did all of this? I definitely <laughs> feel like there was supposed to be a scene there to explain all that, and they cut it for like, the actual release. the dad just left. So unless he turned the fuck around to grab something. Yeah, and they never, like, they never explain it at the hospital. Look, thank God I went back. Like, something. Give me something. <laughs> but what what's interesting is they, um... So they don't explain who found Rick, but when Matthew McCart when Rick Senior gets to the hospital, it's almost as if like the feds are there, the police are there. Yeah, it's almost like they found. But him. also like, who told Rick Senior that? Like this gets it has too many questions. Yeah, so I definitely feel like there's a scene that they shot that they cut. Which is, God, just so frustrating. And they definitely shouldn't have got that scene. Because we, need, we um, needed that scene. Yeah, there were a lot of scenes that I felt like were probably shot and then cut. For instance, they don't really show how Rick became as popular as he did. Yeah, like, I felt that was, like, I showed up once, you should hang with us, poof. Yeah, he he rides his bike with two AKs to a dangerous to gang leader. The auto parts shop. Yeah, to an auto parts shop to meet a gang leader. And I guess there's some subliminal things of like Rick Senior had been selling them guns on the side, so they knew maybe of like him. he mentioned as he knew his dad. Like that's true, but yeah. But still, to me, like, they sell... Okay, Rick's, uh, Rick Jr. sells these guys two AKs and two suppressors. And then it's like he's, you know, it's like he's one of the guys. Mm-hmm. There's just so many questions that I have. That, I mean, the movie was two hours. So you could have added a scene or two or, more. Or a, or a little under like, I, th- I think it was a little under, because I think I left. 10 movie started like 8:15 so yeah. Yeah. So, I mean there definitely was time to put in 2 minutes of kind of explanation, <clears throat> excuse me, and kind of, you know, 
filling out the story of, you know, the the gangs bought a couple more guns from Rick Jr. and they had, um, you know, they build up a rapport there, and then he starts doing work with, you know, the gangs. And, you know, they show a raid on one of the uh, gang locations. And then it's just like, okay, so everybody went to jail. And it's like, how in the hell did Rick Jr., who's 16 or 17, maybe 18 at the time. Rick Jr., when? Uh, after the arrest. Arrest? Yeah, he was like 17 or 18. So, so he was... Well, no, because he got tried at 17. Yeah, yeah. So he probably would have been 16 or 17. Um, you know, how did he build up the infrastructure to do what he did? All of the cocaine and the math and the... Well, like, like they say, okay, he gets back into drugs. But then he basically takes over... Which... The city of Detroit drug Like, trip, I understand which, the leaders are, like gone and like in jail but like really no one came to stop him really well and they only took down the one gang that rick had been working right there has to be more gangs there's no way in that power vacuum there isn't and there's there's definitely another gang because when they go to vegas yeah <laughs> the guy that looks like uh marlon waynes mm-hmm. um no that's not who it is Cat Williams? I think that's... He kind of looks like Cat Williams. He's clearly from another gang in Detroit. Mm -hmm. So, what about those guys? You know, how did they not come over and take over the trade? Right, because there was even the shooting in Detroit from it. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's... There's a lot of questions, not a lot of answers. Yeah. What else um, is on your list? When you're going to create a winter scene, mm-hmm. do more than just the fake snow on the house and the road out in front. At least do the houses either side of you <laughs> and the trees in the back. Mm-hmm. Because there are three or four... Dog, what are you chewing? Hey, what are you chewing? Okay. Um... There are three or four shots where it's in the winter, and Rick's house is clearly, you know, there's snow and frost and stuff. But then the trees in the background, there was no leaves on the leafy trees, but there's no snow on the conifers. The uh, houses either side of Rick's house look perfectly fine. So there's that issue. Um, you know, it's it was just like maybe it was shot on a budget, so they couldn't afford it all. I don't know. Um, for me, they didn't really touch on the uh, cop corruption, right? Which as much as they so should've. look, they mentioned corrupt cops with the mayor's office and never showed us them. Yeah, they, they mention it, what, at the very end? Hold up, hold up. This is an example of 15 minutes of the movie we needed. The part where Rick agrees to work with them to turn in the mayor, 
and the next scene being the mayor being arrested made no sense at all. We needed more to... I needed to see something. Rick working with the feds in the first place. First up, I needed to see something in that capacity of, like, show him at least walking to her, getting her to agree to it. Like, give me at least that. He, well, they do, you know, they do the scene where he goes to the mayor's daughter, or niece. But that's um, before this. And asks her... No, this is right before uh, the mayor gets arrested. Right, but okay, but the point is though, that felt so slow, like nothing. Like they they set up, hey, you need to talk to the mayor's niece, ask her, you know, tell her you've got a big shipment coming in, and ask for protection. Okay, she mentions that, you know, if it weren't for her, her husband, the leader of the gang that Rick gets into wouldn't be where he was. So to me, I was thinking, okay, so she's going to set up with her contacts in the gang mm -hmm. protection for the shipment. Not the mayor's office. Not these corrupt cops. Now, Detroit was extremely corrupt in the 80s. And the 90s. And the 2000s. And the early 2000s. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. The city's been corrupt for probably close to 100 years. It's getting better. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's just like, there's there's nothing in there that says, I want cops. Right. You know, he doesn't make mention of, I need protection for the shipment, get me a bunch of cops. It's just then they show them watching TV, and they say they get undercover cops. And I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> there were so many parts in that movie where, where I'm sitting there going, he's doing what now? He did what <laughs> Do you now? mean when... What you Do you mean the, the accident that made them decide to start selling drugs? Oh, yeah, the car yeah. accident? I was like, what? <laughs> That's your reasoning. Well, and I was expecting so much more from that because the way they were building up that car accident, I was like, Okay, this car is rolling over. Rick Senior's gonna die. No, no, like, no. <laughs> they get a little stuck. No, they spin around, go into a tree backwards. So, go into the the, the compliment I'll give this movie is a good chunk of scenes is the daughter's rehab stuff. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, her that sequence of her getting clean. Like I think that was a good example of like good moments of this movie where I feel like it was powerful. Yeah. But there was nothing that made it feel like it was Detroit. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying it felt like Detroit. I'm just, no, they showed the city once. Remember the skyscape? Yeah, the skyscape <laughs> that they clearly uh, digitally edited out the Ren Center. But yeah, that was your one example of seeing Detroit. And, I mean, they showed some, you know, defunct buildings and all that. But, like I said, you could have filmed it in Cleveland. You could have set it in Cleveland. You could have set it in Gary, Indiana. Right. You know, there was nothing that made this movie feel like Detroit. Now, I will say they bring up the 650 grams law two or three times. That Detroit? I assume that is a Michigan thing. That was a Michigan state law 
in which if you were found to be in possession of more than 650 grams, which is quite a lot, of a controlled substance, you went away for life. Okay. You could have 650.1 and you would go away for life. So they touch on that a couple times, but the one guy makes mention of, you know, Rick, if you go down, you do white time, but if we go down, we do black time. Dude, it's life no matter what. You know what I mean? Like, there's no difference in that law. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the, the true white boy Rick is on parole. Uh, and I guarantee you, he's probably watching this movie going, what in the fuck are you doing? <laughs> he's like, I could have done it better. Like, seriously, guys, come on. Yeah, um, uh, you can probably hear it in our voices and our kind of opinion on the movie. I won't watch this movie again unless somebody wants to go see it. <laughs> oh, shut up. Even then, I'm like, it's... <laughs> God. Even my dogs hate the movie. They're like, like it. it's one of those things, like, this could have been really cool. And, like, even there's just little tweaks to make it a ton better. And, like, biopics, you know, are my thing. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oof. There was two movies. Yeah, this is a rough. For the record, there were two trailers for two movies that I saw before this movie that I'm excited for now that I saw because of this movie. And that's the only thing that makes me glad. What trailers? Um, actually, so we mentioned the Ryan Gosling movie looks kind of cool. And then the, fr- oh, yeah, the front sure. runner looks amazing. What was the uh, Hugh Jackman. I don't think I saw oh. the trailer for the front runner. Hugh Jackman, uh, he was one of the person who was the front runner in 1988 for the Democratic ticket. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that looks, and it's Hugh Jackman in like an actual role. I'm like, yep, okay, this looks cool. Yeah, I did see that trailer. That that one looks interesting. Um, like you said, that first man looks interesting. I, I will say, I think we are going to have probably a better um, movie for the next one. Well, that's true, but they don't get to find out this time. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, that's right. They have to wait until the next episode of the normal SWW show. Oh, we got some good stories already piled for that one. <laughs> In which probably three quarters of this show will be Mike and I discussing uh, the PS4 game Spider-Man. Marvel's Spider-Man. Get it right. Presented by Insomniac um, Games. <laughs> exclusively on the Sony PlayStation 4. <laughs> there you go. And so it's not exclusive. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that will be in a couple weeks. Um... But yeah, we've got a couple of stories that we're looking at. Do you want to just give them a, a teaser? Because Go ahead. <laughs> there's, one, there's one on there that I am so ready Is it for. The, which one? Wait, wait the annual Pornhub Awards? <laughs> no. Um, those were actually <laughs> I think we go with them every year. Um, the fact that Okay, well, the story broke, the news broke, um, a 
couple days as before we were recording this episode. Um, Venom got raided. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I feel like is pretty late for a movie to get rated because it comes out two weeks, two which means weeks. press screenings are starting next week, probably. Or have already started. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like that is pretty late considering that. Yeah. Um, it appears to be a contender for Suicide Squad as being the worst movie of all time. <laughs> no, no, no. Suicide Squad, because my my assumption is Venom might have a story. Yeah. I'll go on record saying I assume Venom will have a story. I'm not saying a good one, but I assume it will have a story. And it will probably be, and I'm literally quoting from the trailer, like a turd in the (laughs) So, yeah, that's a little preview of what you get to hear in the next episode. Woo! We'll also be talking about how China effectively kills off video games. Which, which I have some more industry questions referring to that one, but yeah. Um, EA is in another lawsuit. Shocking. Uh, Mark Wahlberg may be the craziest man of all time. <laughs> but the best man of all time. Yeah, he seems to be a really nice guy. And uh, Jeff Gerstmann may be the new CEO of CBS. As it should be. As as all good things, <laughs> the man that left CPS, the prodigal son... Has returned. Has returned and is looking to take over. Um, remember, Jeff is always the threat. Mm-hmm. So th- <laughs> thank you guys for listening to the first Movie Club episode of the SWW show where we looked at Blade Runner 2049 and White Boy Rick. To sum up, I wouldn't recommend either of these movies. To sum up, I would go back and watch the extended version of Watchmen first. That's <laughs> and again, I'm not saying I hate Watchmen, but the extended version is pretty long. Yeah. The extended version. I will say, though, before the show, well, before we saw White Boy Rick, I was like, okay, I'm definitely not going to recommend Blade But Blade White Boy Rick looked interesting. Yeah, White Boy Rick looked really interesting. Like, okay, they're going to tackle um, a part of uh, gang history that hasn't really ever been covered. Mm-hmm. And we leave the movie not covering a part of gang history that hasn't been covered. But no. It's, yeah. Anyway, uh, you can find us on, we're on iTunes, right? We're, we're on, on literally everything. I've gotten, like, 15 emails of stuff on. Um, yeah, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, wherever the Kazakh people find podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also both on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I am at Boy. L-O-S-E-Y-B-O-Y. Mike, you are... At Mikey underscore Maroney. Alright, that's right. I have to go follow you because I'm not... Anyway, we will see you guys in the next episode of the SWW Show. Have a good day. Goodbye.
Thank you.